This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast right here on 105.9 The Region, exclusively part of our Discoveries block. I'm Shaliza Bakish. I'm at Fuaba. Hope everyone's doing well so far. Shaliza, how you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm be- I'll be better after the end of this episode. <laughs> Believe me. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. So I feel like this was created for me. Unfortunately, I'm not in school anymore, but it's all over the internet. It's all over the gram. There is a new course being offered at X University, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Ryerson University, mm-hmm. and it's all about Drake and the weekend. Yes, your perfect combination. It's like me like going to McDonald's and you and know Burger having King. yes and having like the perfect junk food day. This is your equivalent. Well, if there was ever a course I would have wanted to take in university, it definitely would have been this one. And if you're curious as to what it's all about, we are joined by the creator of this course. Absolutely, publicist author Dalton Higgins at uh, Ryerson University, also currently known as X University. He's the one that is, you know, offering up this course. Uh, to anyone who's really interested, Aisha Lisa. Hello. <laughs> but we want to get the background info on this course. So, Dalton, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Believe me, Shalisa knows she's like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like jumping up and down in my seat. I can't wait. Okay. Uh, we we got to start. We got to start from the bottom. Oh, See what gosh. I did there? <laughs> how did this idea come about? And how do you go about even creating a course like this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we started from the bottom and, and now we're here, uh, apparently. Um, pun, pun fully intended. Um, I mean, here's the deal. Um, I work in hip hop education, right? So I've been, you know, doing lectures about hip hop culture and, uh, you know, I guess what we call urban music culture, black music um, for many years. And um, what you find is, you know, on the college and university scene in the United States of America, our neighbors, I mean, there are a bunch of courses and programs and diplomas and certificates and degrees tied to music culture and hip hop culture in particular. So this is not an entirely new concept. Um, it, it, in Canada, it is. In Canada, it is. But in Canada, we tend to be like, you know, 20 years behind the, uh, <laughs> what's going on in, in some areas, right? So, so what I mean is like, you know, in the States, like if you're studying in, the, in, in America, in college, university, you know, you have all kinds of courses, you know, courses about David Bowie and, uh, you know, Miley Cyrus, Lady Gaga, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, yeah, courses about Nirvana, you know, if you're into the grunge thing, University of California, Davis. So there, and, and also too, the, Let's get back to hip hop. I mean, there's some great courses that were taught. You know, Jay Z, Beyonce. There's a bunch of great college courses in the U.S. Um, so, so sort of, sort of carrying those energies over to Canada, and um, you know, making it be known that yeah, people like Drake. You know, whether whether you love or loathe Drake or The Weeknd, that's irrelevant. And it actually has nothing to do with the creation of the course or how it should be consumed. Um, but we, what we always as Canadians cannot deny is, is their massive influence on youth culture in, in areas of music, fashion, um, design, visual art, like pretty much everything. So that is worthy of academic inquiry. And that's how, why we created the course. Yeah, I mean, you can't walk down the street in Toronto without seeing some sort of EXO memorabilia or an OVO hoodie, all of which I also own. But, you know, that's relevant. I'm just just saying, uh, Drake and The Weeknd, both such influential people on Toronto culture and Toronto music. So with that being said, why do you think a course like this is so important? 
Yeah, I think it's important because for one, uh, you know, hip hop and R and B, they it's like they both simultaneously become these, uh, you know, super dominant art forms. Um, so, when, so when you look at rap and R&B today, you know, not 20 years ago, not 30 years ago, but today, over the last seven years, um, basically the music, these music forms account for more than one-third of all music consumption, okay? So whether you're into, you have people that are into classical music, they're into opera, folk, jazz, rock, uh, you know, pop, country, it really all doesn't matter, but one-third of all music consumption is hip-hop and R&B, okay? So what that means now is when you look at youth, color, youth culture, I mean, like, you know, millennials, um, Gen Z, this is what uh, youth are consuming. And what, what happens now is when you have two, um, you know, African-Canadian artists from Toronto who perform rap, R&B, and pop at such a high level, and, uh, and who are arguably both on their way to becoming, you know, billionaires at some point in time, there is a lot to learn about their narrative, their journey, about their culture, about uh, class issues, about marketing, about entrepreneurism. Like, there's so much to learn. And you're absolutely right. You know, they've changed the game in so many different ways. I mean, the way that they've literally taken the the music industry, and let's even break it down even further, the Canadian music industry by storm, they've... They've literally changed the map in terms of how the world is consuming Canadian music, Canadian culture. Not to say that there wasn't sort of a Canadian music uh, presence happening, but it's just like it's morphed into this whole new strange yeah. genre, for lack of a better word. It's like a movement. I think that's the the, the word that I kind of want to say. There's It's just a strange movement going around those two artists. It's it's a whole movie. It's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon. It's, it's like people are talking about, oh, okay, so they're saying, oh, men's are just going to listen to Drake and Weekend songs all day. I'm just like, that has nothing to do with that. They're a phenomenon. Like, I mean, even Shaliza, you talked about, like, you know, OVO clothing. Like, let, let's talk about OVO, that brand, and what it represents. That is, brand is tied to the Toronto Raptors, you know, who are former world champions, NBA world champions. They are directly tied the Toronto Raptors practice at a facility that is called OVO. Yep. I live close to a mall, a shopping mall called Yorkdale. Uh, when you go to Yorkdale Mall, you're going to notice that one of the stores that has the longest lineups whenever you go there is the OVO store. Okay? Yep. So we're talking about, yeah, I mean, the summer just wrapped up. Uh, what is one of the biggest festivals in Canada, period? Never oh, let me yeah. into rock country rap. It's OVO Fest, <laughs> right? So, so, so they're like a bunch of tentacles that come out of Drake and OVO. And then it's beyond Drake's music. You know what I mean? It's about fashion. It's lifestyle. It's marketing. It's entrepreneurism, you know? You know, and it's interesting that you bring that up because this is, OVO Fest especially, is what shows the amount of influence that Drake has on the hip-hop culture internationally, I feel. Because not only are people looking forward to see Drake when they go to OVO Fest, they're looking forward to see all of the artists from all over the hip-hop world that he would bring out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, OVO Fest, too, like, uh, of course, because the pandemic, uh, you know, it didn't have, you know, the pandemic has pretty much shut down everything. But I mean, he's, I mean, look at all the guests that have come and played OVO Fest, like everybody, you know, <laughs> like, right, you know, if you're into Nas, if you're into Jay-Z, Cardi B, like everybody, he's, you know, Offset, Migos, uh, depends what year you've gone, of course, but you know, Rick Ross, Meek Mill, like whatever you're into, he's had them perform there. Stevie Wonder, you know, I'm into, you know, a lot of historical, uh, you know, soul music, R&B, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Stevie Wonder was there. Like, you know, everybody's come out to the thing, right? So this is the power that Drake has globally, never mind Canada, and it is worthy of, yeah, academic inquiry, you know, for sure. 
music scholars, music historians, we're, we're jonesing about this stuff, you know? So for this particular course, without giving too much away, walk me through what you envision for the students that are, you know, going to be enrolled in this class. What journey are you going to be taking them through? You know, Drake is a really good writer, you know, and, um, you know, my background is as a journalist, uh, you know, I'm like a semi-retired journalist, and he, you know, in his rhymes, for people studying, you know, English literature, which you have to study in high school, and uh, hopefully, you know, you continue taking things tied to writing and language, you have to write essays, don't you? Um, you know, you know. so in his rhymes, he employs a lot of uh, literary devices, as we call them, you know, mm-hmm. so he's a really strong writer. Um, so when you start to like, sort of dissect and deconstruct his lyrics and his writing style, you're going to see a lot of those devices. You're going to see, you know, metaphors and similes and uh, iambic pentameters. And, uh, you know, so I want to get into that, just uh, just about his writing. It's, uh, his lyricism is top flight. So that ties to, you know, people that are into writing and, and uh, you know, popular culture, English literature, that type of thing. And, and in fact, um, you know, there, there's this book I have, uh, which I got years ago. It's called, uh, called The Anthology of Rap. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, this, uh, it's this book. It's about, it's almost like, eight, it's about 868 pages. It's like a 900-page book. Um, and it was put together by these two uh, university scholars, um, Adam Bradley and Andrew Dubois, who's um, actually from here. And uh, in it, what they tried to do in this book is they tried to showcase the diversity and the poetic depth of rap music over a 30-year period. Um, and they stuck about maybe like 300 songs in the book, and they actually included one of Drake's early songs in there. You know, you have a song called Say What's Real, because they recognized back then, 10 years ago, that Drake is a really good writer. And, and if you're into literature and writing, you can sort of look at his lyrics and how he pieces it together. And it's it's just rich with content. It's rich with a, a great writing style, you know? And I appreciate that, too, because you know what? I think uh, for all of the future rappers out there, even for those who just appreciate rap in and of itself, and they think, oh, you know, I'm going to drop some bars, I'm going to freestyle, there's an art to it. Even those uh, who used to do, like, whenever there's rap CD, they used to do freestyle battles. There's an art. You don't just get up there and just, you know, drop whatever lines that you can because it rhymes. It, it goes beyond that. And I think it would even push those who are interested in rap or want a career in rap music to really take that other side of academia seriously, being English, really understanding how it works and how to use it just to help them better their craft as opposed to, you know, there is one one thing for those, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to discredit it, there is those who are just naturally talented and just can, you know, flow easily. But there's those like, it, it's just one added layer to perfecting your craft and so i think i appreciate that writing part that you're adding into this course dalton yeah yeah for sure and and even with culture you know one thing about toronto it's being taught at a toronto university um mm-hmm. uh, you know toronto is is the most multicultural city in the world um that, that's just those are just hard facts you know you can look that up online and uh what that means is you know certainly when we look at the weekend and drake uh you know we're looking at it through a prism of you know like diversity you know uh, drake is you know we know stories uh black and Jewish, or bluish, uh, and, you know, his father is African-American from, uh, you know, Tennessee, his mother is, uh, you know, Caucasian white, and from Toronto, Jewish, and um, we're going to spend, uh, you know, a fair amount of time talking about this, looking at, uh, uh, looking at icons, iconoclasts through uh, racial prism, culture, even, even faith, even faith, you know, because he grew up Jewish, and uh, what does that mean for his, uh, you know, as far as his narrative, his journey, uh, uh, what does it mean that, uh, you know, Abel, uh, the weekend, is he's Ethiopian? At the end of the day, you know, we look at musicians and when you start to peel back the layers, you know, um, you see some sort of Ethiopian retentions and how he moves, what he does, his philanthropy. 
Um, so that's, that's what's going on. So we're going to talk a lot about that as well. This thing's tied to make it, it's going to be very issues oriented, right? So if you're into issues of class, you know, class meaning, you know, uh, people, you know, rib him, you know, started from the bottom, now you're here. They think he's some little rich kid that had everything easy. Um, and then, you know, which, which is, it's not really the case, which we're going to get into, but things tied to class, things tied to certainly gender, um, race, culture, geography, is that we're going to look at these artists through those types of prisms, you know, so it's not just about the music at all, but it's looking at them as uh, fulsome human beings that, it can do, that are, you know, contributed something great to, to, uh, to popular culture and humanity at large. Yeah, so we know that a pop that the pop popular culture aspect is super important, but we do want to talk about the music as well because I'm sure as a lot of people who are going to sign up for this course are really interested in the music that Drake and the Weekend uh, create. Now we talked a lot about Drake. Now uh, take me through the R and B side. Let's talk about the Weekend a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Weekend. So you know his journey and narrative. I mean, it's it's just a you know again. I don't want to leak too much, but. Um, when we, we're going to do a section tied to like marketing, um, you know, kind of like a marketing publicity 101 thing. And he falls in, you know, extreme opposition to, you know, how, how Drake kind of moves in a sense. Like when he came out, um, he was super obscure. Uh, he was doing the opposite of what musicians and most people in pop culture do, which is when magazines, newspapers, television stations, radio stations want to interview you because they think you're hot. Uh, more often than not, you're going to feel those requests and actually do interviews and want to talk to them about your life story and about being Ethiopian and being born in Toronto and, and uh, the type of sort of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the type of R&B or pop music that he makes. And he, he did none of that. And, um, you know, so we're going to talk about that kind of marketing, you know, marketing approach, you know, what works best uh, for, you know, millennial Gen Z and uh, how he sort of twisted the whole media world, the whole marketing world uh, upside down. Um, just that, just his whole coming out story, you know, which is just fantastic in itself. He was getting requests from Billboard magazine and Rolling Stone and all the big blogs and newspapers of the fader, and he did nothing. <laughs> and that just generated more interest in him, right? So, yeah, so it's fascinating stuff. And you know what? That's so funny that you mentioned that because uh, I am honestly like a day one fan of The weekend. I've been following his stuff for the last 10 years. And like I remember hearing that House of Balloons mixtape like for the first time, the first couple songs I heard, I was like trying to find out like who is this guy? Like what does he look like? And it's so funny. Like I was just listening to all of his music and I actually didn't really know what he looked like in person until he did that first show in Toronto when he played the Mod Club. And then everyone finally actually saw him for the first time singing these songs live it was it was crazy it's, it was a crazy experience yeah and that, yeah and that was all intentional that was uh you know in one way to get people to focus on the music and less on like who he is and where he comes from did he grow up in the west end of toronto scarborough downtown like no one cares you know like at the time it's just like no he put out you know house of balloons and uh also, like a trilogy, right? Thursday uh, and Echoes of Silence, you know? So, and those, those are, you know, three of my favorite, you know, projects of his um, for that early sound. And I also, and think about the album artwork, you know, of, you know from or the mixtape artwork from, you know, Echoes of Silence, House of Balloons and Thursday. And it was just like, yeah, Thursday you just saw these three women sitting there and House of Balloons, it's a bunch of balloons. It was just very, he was very obscure. He was mysterious. He's still mysterious, um, you know, a different type of mysterious, but... Um, yeah, it's just brilliant. This is marketing brilliance is, is what, I'd, what I'd call it. Yeah, I mean, even up till now, you're lucky to score an interview with The Weeknd. Like, it's it's just a handful of times that, that he's actually sat down with someone and actually spoken about himself. 
That's right. And, and these are also, too, you know, one thing we have to, you know, look at. Like when people do, you know, like, you know, courses tied to Beyonce and uh, uh, of which there are plenty in the U.S. is, you know, it, it's a phenomenon because, uh, you know, I don't know if you are you two uh, from Toronto, like live in Toronto or near Toronto? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so the idea of these two artists from Toronto um, that, you know, they're going to be billionaires at, at some point in time for sure. Um, you know, The weekend. Abel was on the cover of, For, of uh, For, Fortune magazine, um, Forbes magazine, rather. And, uh, you know, that, that is just something we didn't see that coming, you know. So a lot of us music historians and, and educators and just even journalists, we just didn't see this coming, this idea of two you know, regular dudes, um, one who's black, Jewish, other Ethiopian, and then they're just making, you know, they're both worth a couple hundred, hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, which is it's just insane. There, there are a bunch of conditions that were happening in Toronto that created uh, the Drake and Weekend phenomenon, right? So they didn't just come out of a vacuum. Um, their, their narrative and journey is inextricably linked to Toronto R&B, hip-hop, and rap, and, and just how it's treated or, or not treated um, in Canada, right? So we have to, when you look at any phenomenon, you have to sort of peel back the layers and kind of look at what were the conditions that created um, the Drake and the Weekend phenomenon? What was going on in Toronto at the time during their come-up, you know? And there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they have, they're tied to a lot of the way that the city is, is now, um, on the map, if you will. Of course, Toronto was already, you know, is is known for so many things. But now, I mean, if nobody knows anything for Toronto at all, they can be like, oh, Drake's town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the weekend's town. And that's we're right. all for it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And Canada's never seen anything like this either. So Canada is, I think, is trying to adjust to, uh, you know, one section we're going to deal with, uh, you know, tied to media. Uh, and so, you know, it's sort of like a media analysis um, and social media underneath that umbrella, you know, and just, again, how... You know, these guys have changed. You know, Drake is a he's a product of, of the internet, right? Um, that's just what he is, um, and we're going to get into that, right? If there's no, if there was no, like, let's say you were, uh, you know, I work with the rapper Cardinal Official or Shockler, some of the older school rappers, where the, uh, you know, the internet, uh, it was just not a thing. It was not so prevalent. You know, you put out a record, you have to drive it down to the DJ, to the, you know, to the uh, radio station, give them the vinyl. Like, it's a way, a completely different way of uh, thinking about music distribution, music consumption. But um, if Drake and the Weekend were to have come out in the, you know, the late '90s, early 2000s, would it would they would it still be the same? Would they have millions of followers on? You know, like maybe not, right? So, so that's another section we're definitely going to delve into. This idea of being a byproduct of social media. Um, yeah, because one could argue that the Drake would not be Drake if it's not for social media. You're absolutely right. Now, I know my girl here, Shaliza, could probably be a TA in this course. I'm just saying. But for people like yeah. me that you might not help. need help, Paula. She will be literally right by the door. She won't even give her cookie crumbs and she'll, she'll be there. Um, but for those who may not be well versed, I won't even lie like myself. I haven't followed as much as Shaliza here, but I know enough. Uh, but for those who maybe are complete beginners in, in knowing about rap culture uh, and R&B culture, even like to the Toronto rap scene, can they still take this course? Would they still sort of be able to maneuver their way around it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some of the, uh, the early, the, you know, the early lesson plans, um, we're going to go into a bit of the history of uh, Toronto uh, rap and R&B for sure, because without understanding some of the struggle, uh, some of the, you know, adversity that had been faced by, uh, those before them, before the weekend, that predate Drake and the weekend, and also some of the acts that work with the weekend and Drake that were part of that uh, 
Toronto come up, that Toronto struggle, you know? Um, you know, 40, like for example, 40 was a producer um, doing underground hip hop, like, you know I mean? Like total underground grimy hip hop, that's what he did. Uh, and then I actually had him on my show when I used to work in television. And so, so they come from, and then also uh, with the weekend uh, producer of his, Doc McKinney, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, he produced, he'd been producing, you know, like Estero and, uh, and Reese and he's, he's kind of like, you know, punk rock, like kind of, you know, like mm-hmm. he produces punk and, you know, different things in R&B and like, so those people have experienced some of that Toronto struggle, right? And, uh, these are people, when you look at the liner notes, you kind of, uh, dig a little deeper, you know, when you look at the liner notes, you're going to see these names of people who've been kicking around for a while and weren't able to generate this type of success while they were making music. And then, Hey, here, Drake and the weekend come along. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know, so. Yeah, so we're going to definitely talk about the history of uh, Toronto rap and R&B. Uh, I'd be doing the students a disservice if we just kind of jumped right into it like that, you know? Now, just backtracking a little bit, you did mention how important social media has been in the come up of Drake, especially more so than The Weeknd. And, you know, they've both been around for about about 10 years now, give or take a little bit. And the way that us, you know, millennials, for example, received their music in the beginning compared to now, compared to Gen Z coming up, like, it's really different. And do you think that's something worth touching on in this course, like talking about the way music is received by millennials and then a lot of younger people who I'm sure you're going to be teaching in this class? Yeah, what would you say are the differences, you know, like millennials and and Gen Z as far as how you consume music? Um, I know streaming is certainly, you know, the the DSPs, digital service providers, Spotify, Apple Tidal, like that's something that has obviously taken off these last number of years, but what what do you see as being that that difference? Because you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to speak on it. I'm going to throw that question back to you two. Should we say an after It's interesting that you say that because that was the first thing I thought. The streaming thing was the first thing I thought. You know, there was a time where we all used to wait to get our hands on the physical copy of like an album and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then when uh, when these like underground like streaming sites started to have a little more prevalence, you know, there I think it was was it Take Care that got leaked before it's released and then a lot of people heard a lot of that music and then when the album did release drake was like well whatever here take it you guys already heard it anyway and so i think that's a a big difference you You could not do that before like even 10 years before if it automatically leaks and you're just like oh here you go the music labels would have been all over you with you dropped this i lost it here you've you've messed your contract here but in the way that they've released their music through streaming, in the way that they've even decided to let the fans in in terms of how they consume mm-hmm. the content, way more yeah. organic as opposed to maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yes. You would have to go through red tape galore <laughs> just yeah. to drop yeah. one track. Yeah. It's not that way anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny too, because even, you know, tying it back to Drake, like when um, when So Far Gone came out, right, and then, you know, the mixtape or whatever, it's funny because... Uh, the label, like, so it was something you can get it online, you know what I mean? You go onto the site, uh, you know, October Journey, you know what I mean? And just do it, right? Yeah. And they were kind of like, um, it was interesting because I remember when Universal Music, um, they, they put it out, like, uh, you know, like, they put it out to be streamed and as an album, as like a hard copy album back in like 2000, yeah, 2009, 2009, I believe. And um, it was interesting, yeah, a lot of tracks had already been out there, like online, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. and then, but then they just, then they threw it together. It's like a mixtape, let's get an album out there. Like, it was just really weird. Like, that, like who does that? It doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the labels put it out after it had already been streamed many times over, like online, right? 
So like there's, there's like that, you know, times like best I ever had successful. I just want to be successful those, those days. But it's already been heard everywhere. And then there's then the music industry is like, hey, let's actually put this out in a formal, traditional, conventional way, you know, and offer it up to be, you know, like early streaming. Let's put it in a CD together. Like it was backwards, like, you know what I mean? And it's interesting that you say that, too, because The, the Weeknd did the same thing. You know, he put all of his three first mixtapes together, part of the trilogy, and released that as an album. And people paid money for that. And I remember him even tweeting something out about that that was like, my fans are amazing. Like, you guys are paying for music that you've already had for years. That's what's, that's what's interesting and different. Is, yeah, you're going to stream it, listen to it for free on some, you know, that piff or, you know, back then it was a bunch of sites you could get some good music, download music, and then, yeah, but they'll also buy it as well, right? So it's just like, that's super bizarre. That doesn't, that defies kind of uh, logic in a sense, you know? Yeah, it's it's so crazy. Honestly, Dalton, I could I could She's pick hooked, your brain to say I, the least. <laughs> I really could. I could pick your brain all day. Like this has been such an interesting conversation. Like, and there is so much more to be said. Uh, I I literally like. Can I just like come and sit in the back and like just, just girl pay for the course? <laughs> Actually, let me just ask. So, how do students get enrolled? How can they enroll in this course? And like, when's the deadline? And when does it start? How long is the wait list? <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any of that data. Um, I know because, like, the registrar at uh, Ryerson or X University, they handle all of that. But I know that the interest is, has been uh, very good. I think a lot. I think students of uh, today, you know, uh, certainly Gen Z, is that they want to be, you know, they want to, you know, take, be taking, have the opportunity to take electives that. Uh, things that, uh, you know, like you have your finger on the pulse of popular culture and things that sort of impact their lives directly, you know. So I think that we attribute a lot of that to some of the early buzz and interest in the course um, because, you know, that's the reason I told you about the writing thing. When people think about writing, they tend to say, okay, I'm going to study Shakespeare and, yeah. uh, you know, Wordsworth, and, which is fine, uh, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, poets, uh, people writing just great writers, you know, that, are, that just happen to be attached to uh, rap music and hip-hop culture, you know. And that are using the same literary devices you'd study in any Shakespeare sonic, you know. So, um, so I think that's what's causing a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, you know the Gen Z, I guess, uh, students at the Ryerson X University are very much interested interested in that. And also too, when you study at things at school, whether they're just elective courses or whatever, like you want some some things you study in college or university, even high school for that matter, to sort of apply to your day to day life, you know. So, because sometimes there's this huge disconnect, like school feels like it's a chore. Um, you know, we're just like, okay, I got to turn in essays, and it feels like a chore. So if you can make it feel less chore-like and actually enjoy going to a couple courses that happen to be electives, um, that's always a good thing. And you know what? That can be applied to real life, too. They, they always say if you love what you're doing, then it won't feel like work. And I think that's exactly how you're going to connect with students in this course. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. I feel it coming. <laughs> I, I, oh, I know. Oh, oh, see, I dropped it. <laughs> she dropped another. Give me an A. <laughs> That's the only thing that you're going to see me come plus out. for you. <laughs> you know how long I was thinking? I'm like, how do I tie that in? And it came. Jeez, just took the whole interview. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right, uh, students, future students out there, everyone, listeners, if you're listening into this, this is a course you want to get into, but you don't want to be on the waiting list for this. No. Shaliza. By the way, it is officially called yes. Deconstructing Drake and the Weekend. Correct, Dalton? That is correct, yeah. And it's and it's a RTA course, a Radio and Television Arts 950. Mm-hmm. That's the course code. Uh, and it's a section that the X University selected topics in media. All right, so this is a selected topics in media RTA 950. It's a 
it's like a series. It runs every year. It, it tends to change every year, something new and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so this year is Deconstructing Drake in the Weekend. Awesome. And we hope everyone's able to sign up for it. We all know that you're tech savvy, you're internet savvy, folks. So if this is a course that you want, which I know that you will, make sure that you get into this course ASAP. Now, Dalton, uh, before we let you go, we want to make sure you get some plugins. So we, you said you're a publicist, you're an author. Where can people find you on socials? Yeah, you can find me just my name, the number five. So Dalton Higgins five, uh, and uh, you can find me you know, on Instagram, Twitter. I tend to engage more people on Instagram nowadays, so you can get me there. Dalton Higgins five, you know, and I'm happy to uh, yeah just engage and dive into some. I, it's funny because like even. Uh, uh, you know, Six Buzz and some other shade room, like they posted about the course, and it's just like all these raging Drake uh, fanatics and uh, weekend and, and haters and haters. Um, because he's a, because he's a polarizing, uh, I, I would say, like people either love Drake or the weekend or yeah. loathe them or don't. Like it's just ridiculous, uh, you know. For and they get they have the reasons, but uh, it's a pretty interesting debates happening, you know, on my page and affiliate pages. So it's pretty cool. All right, Dalton, I hope that on your first day of class, you blast crew love and you like you walk into that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, we'll do. I'll park Apple, that away and uh, definitely consider it. <laughs> Apple's looking at me like she's lost. So, so crew love <laughs> That's is, is song <laughs> by Drake featuring The Weeknd, and it's like their biggest like Ooh, collaborative song okay. together. So I think it goes along. Thank you, T.A. Shaliza. I appreciate yes, like that. Like Apple said, I could be your T.A. You, you said this, and I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm sure it has to fit somehow. <laughs> if you need anything, just holler at me. All right, Dalton, Dalton, thank you so much. This has been another informative episode of Millennial Balance. I literally am shaking in my in my seat. I need to go like blast Relax, Drake in the weekend right now. <laughs> Dalton Higgins is teaching the course Deconstructing Drake and the Weekend. It's going to be offered at X University, otherwise known as Ryerson University. Thanks for joining us, Dalton. Hey, thank you for having me. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.